Welcome to the Amateur Golf Podcast, where we find stories worth telling. I'm your host, Sean Mulia, and today's guest is Caleb Van Aragon. Before we get to the podcast, I just want to let you know that today's episode is brought to you by our website, AmateurGolf.com. We cover amateur golf more extensively than anyone else. Schedules, news, rankings, and results are our bread and butter. And if you go to our website, you can join and receive a slew of benefits. Every member gains access to a huge database of past tournament results and discounts to some of golf's best brands like Callaway, OGO, and Golf Week. We want to offer our listeners a 50% discount on a one-year membership. If you are a brand new member to AmateurGolf.com, follow the link in the show notes and use the code BIRDIE50, B-I-R-D-I-E-5-0, to join tens of thousands of amateur golfers that depend on our site for all things amateur golf. Caleb Van Aragon has had quite a summer in Minnesota. The fifth-year senior at Valparaiso won the Minnesota State Open by nine shots and backed that up with a 12-shot victory in the Minnesota State Amateur. Those two performances gained him some attention, and he received a last-minute invite to play in the 3M Open. During his interview with Amateur Golf's Justin Golba, Van Aragon talks about what helped him get on such a heater, competing alongside the world's best, and how he hopes to continue the momentum into the fall. It's a great discussion. Thanks for listening. Let's get to Justin's conversation with Caleb Van Aragon. All right, so I'm joined now by Caleb Van Aragon, a rising fifth-year senior at Valparaiso, uh, who's had a pretty amazing amateur uh, summer so far. Uh, we'll get into that a little bit later, but Caleb, how you doing so far? How you doing today? Good. How are you? Very good. So thank you for taking the time. I know it's busy, busy time for all amateur golfers right now as you're probably getting ready to go back to school and stuff. Um, but we'll just get into your summer so far. So you played in the Minnesota Open, and you won that by nine shots at 13 under, and then you played in the Minnesota Amateur, and you won that by 12 shots at 23 under, and I believe that was a course record to par for the tournament. Um, just kind of talk to me about your summer and those two events, kind of how you were able to use all the momentum from the Open to the AM and just that stretch of golf in general for you. Yeah, it was a, it was definitely a crazy stretch of golf. It felt pretty surreal in the moment, and looking back, um, it's definitely – pretty kind of surprising almost to think that I was able to accomplish that. Um, Going into the state open, I felt like my game was in a pretty decent spot, but I didn't think that it was anything like super special. I didn't think that it was any better than it had been um, going into previous tournaments or anything like that. Um, I'd been basically for the year and a half before um, this summer, I'd been working really hard um, on my, on my hitting and my putting um, because those were, um, Those were the two areas that I was focusing on. I thought I made a lot of really good strides with my golf swing, understanding um, how I how to manage it basically. But my putting had actually had actually gotten a lot worse. Um, So at the start of the summer, I was probably practicing putting about two hours a day or so. But then right before the state open, I actually got just like a five minute putting lesson from my swing coach. That um, basically he basically just told me to to loosen up more, to to be more relaxed over the putt, and not just not try so hard and that was 
basically the catalyst that allowed me to, to take all the practice that I'd been doing and actually um, turn it into, to, into making putts. So I actually got off to a bit of a slow start at the Open. I was two over par through seven, uh, made pretty bad bogeys on hole two and three. Um, but then on eight and nine, I made two 30-footers for, for birdie, and that was kind of that was kind of the, the spark, I would say. Um, from then on, I felt confident and just not... Uh, I wasn't thinking too hard with putting. I wasn't overanalyzing everything. I felt like I wasn't even reading the putt until I right when I got over the ball and then I would just kind of say okay this one feels like it's just outside right or whatever and then I would hit it so that was a, a huge breakthrough for me in terms of my putting and then going to the state am um, I definitely had momentum but I didn't really expect to I certainly didn't expect to win it um, I know how hard it is to follow up a win with another win I mean we just saw Lucas Glover um, follow up a win with another win and I know Tony Finau did that last year on the PGA Tour, but other than that, I mean, it's very, it's very rare for people to do that type of thing. So I try. I think I did a really good job of keeping my expectations low, but thankfully I was able to keep, um, uh, keep the the hot putter going, and I think that that just freed up so many other parts of my game. I mean, I didn't feel like I had to be flawless off the tee or into the green, um, because I felt like I could make those. If I if I gave myself a ten footer for par, I felt like I could make that. I didn't feel like I had to be shooting at every pin either because if I gave myself, I felt like a few 20-footers for birdie, I was going to be able to make at least one of them. So I think that the just my putting clicking was really what, what was the catalyst for two pretty solid tournaments. Yeah, and you know when it comes to obviously winning the State Open by nine, then going into the AM, I know you said you tried to keep your expectations low. Is that kind of difficult though at times because you did win the open by in the open is I mean you're playing against other like pros and stuff you were obviously the low am because you won but now in the Minnesota amateur you're playing against all amateurs was it kind of hard to keep those expectations low and just kind of say okay you know it's a whole whole different tournament obviously with some still incredible golfers yeah I mean I think um, the Minnesota am actually had a couple of um, really solid players that the state open didn't because. Um, I believe it was uh, the Transmiss that was the same week as the as the Minnesota Open. So there was, um, I think there were at least two really solid amateurs um, in the state who played in the AM but didn't play in the Open. So I already knew going in that um, I was going to have to contend with at least two really good players that weren't in the Open. Um, and I think that I also just, um, I mean, the previous year I think I finished 13th at the AM. Um, I mean, I know how many, there's a lot of really good uh, mid-ams and college golfers in Minnesota, so I think I knew going in that, I mean, I'd, I'd never won a, an am or an open before this year, so I knew how hard it was, and I knew I knew that my odds were pretty, uh, weren't great, so I think, I think I, it actually wasn't too hard for me, because I think after the open, I was just a little bit more shell-shocked than, uh, than anything. And, you know, obviously, when you have these kinds of leads and stuff, I know in the AM, I believe you went to the weekend with an eight-shot lead. Does your mind change at all when you're playing with the lead? Are you still trying to do what you were doing earlier? Are you just saying, I'm just going to, you know, go low and just see what happens? Like, how, how, did, how does it work playing with a lead like that, especially in such a big tournament? Yeah, that was honestly pretty terrifying. I mean, I just, <laughs> I knew, um, I think the, the biggest come from behind victory in a, in a major championship has been like seven shots or something like that so I really didn't want to be that guy that blew an eight shot lead um, and I got off to a pretty I mean 
not a slow start the the final round of the am i parred the first two holes but it was a 470 yard par five and a uh short par four where i just had a flip wedge in um and already standing on like the the third tee box i think my lead i think my lead was down to six or maybe even i think it was just six but i i i mean it was a mental challenge that i haven't really had to deal with before because i've never had I, i've never really had a big lead ever before in a tournament so I just try, I actually wrote down on my scorecard. I wrote "Be patient," and I was just kept. I kept looking at that over the first couple of holes, um, just trusting that if I kept focusing, if I stick, if I stuck to my process, just focused on picking good targets, making good swings, trying to make sure I breathe, relax over the ball. That eventually, even if I, even if my lead got got pretty low, I would end up making those birdies that could that would put me back in the lead. Um, and I actually didn't have to wait too long. I, I birdied three, four, and five, which was, I mean, it was all a little bit lucky, I felt like, but I felt like just being patient and allowing myself to to have that the opportunity to do that was so key because I, I wasn't pressing for birdies. I was just letting them happen. So, and before I ask this question, I'll, I'll preface it with one other. On To start the Minnesota AM, if you remember, did you tee off on one or ten? Teed off on ten. Okay, so when you made the turn... Uh, you made a two on yep. one, and then on Tuesday you made a three on one. So obviously a par on Wednesday on one was pretty disappointing. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I, I played what? Uh, I mean, five what was? Par, yeah, yeah. Just kind of walk me through that of just uh, playing those two, you know, two holes at five under par. Yeah, that was ridiculous. So I I started on ten the first round. Um, I actually made three bogeys in my first five holes. Um, I was one over. Um, one over through five, and then even par, making the turn. Um, and I kind of, I, I, I knew that there were guys going pretty low. I knew that I had to, I, I figured I was going to have to go probably, you know, a couple under just to put myself into it, not put myself into too much of a hole going into the next round. And then one is a 470-yard par five, little downhill. It was straight downwind um, when we played it. Hit a good drive. I had 151 in, um, and the pin to it was a par five. <laughs> yeah, on a par five. Yeah, the pin was back middle with this huge bowl around it, basically. So I hit, I hit a nine iron, landed it about 20 feet short of the pin, and it rolled in like a putt. It was so, it was so crazy to to watch yeah. it go in because I've never. Uh, that's the first hole out I've had from outside that I've seen go in. I think in my life, I can't remember ever seeing a ball go in from that far before. So I, yeah, that's that's yeah. I th- I think an albatross might be more impressive than a hole in one, just because it tends to be from like you said further away and whatnot. Yeah. But that that yeah, it was funny covering it and watching. I was like, I, I thought at first you teed off on one, and I was like, well, that's a. I mean, that's probably <laughs> the best way you could ever start a tournament is yeah. to albatross the first hole. But mm-hmm. um, still, obviously, obviously. Uh, very interesting that you that you were able to kind of pro- use that and propel you because it looks yeah. like you made three more birdies throughout that round and then you just kind of just kept running downhill it seems like yeah yeah it was definitely a weird mental challenge to try to uh, stay in the moment after making it two because yeah. I've never I actually made a two in our state match play tournament last year uh, in a, on a par five. That was my only other albatross, but it was in a match play tournament. So I was like, "Oh come on! If I had just made birdie, I would have still yeah. won the hole." So <laughs> yeah. nice to get. You're one trying to save that, yeah. Trying to save that. Um, 
so and then obviously you being out in Minnesota, uh, it lo- you got to play in the 3M Open. Yeah. It looked like, but you got a late call for that, right? I think you were planning on playing in the Monday qualifier, and then they told you that, uh, hey, you're not going to have to do that? I was, yeah. So I, I got uh, an exemption into the Monday qualifier for winning the State Open. Um, I played a practice round Saturday, Sunday. I was out at the, at the course pretty much all day practicing. Um, and then I got a call from Mr. Kavner, um, uh, the tournament director, um, that night while I was actually driving back from, from the course practicing. Uh, that said, you're not going to have to play tomorrow. You're actually going to be playing in the Pro-Am for the 3M Open. And that was, I was crazy. It was one of the most unbelievable moments I've ever had, just being like, oh my gosh, I'm actually going to get to play a PGA Tour event. And everything about the week was just so much fun and so special. Yeah, and then, I mean, just, you know, obviously getting into the actual golf itself, um, you you shot four over, but it, I be, did you you shot under par for round two, correct? I did, yeah. I shot f- uh, five over the first round and then one under the second round, yep. So just kind of talk me through uh, kind of the, the different rounds and how you were able to kind of, I'm sure, you know, when you're playing your first PGA Tour event, the first nine to even first round is kind of you're trying to you're trying to just focus on the golf but it's it's probably damn near impossible yeah yeah it wasn't uh i i think my my big problem actually was was course management i think i had probably um four or five tee shots where i i definitely picked the wrong club um sometimes being too aggressive sometimes not being aggressive enough that put me into into bad spots so that was my main um my main regret, um, just from a, from a playing perspective. Um, but just in general, the week was, uh, it, it was, it was so surreal. I mean, I, I, I think the, the, the main moment that, that sticks with me is I was just walking to the, uh, up to the pro shop on Monday and there was Sahithi Gala just sitting in a cart getting ready to drive off to the driving range. And I was just like, oh my gosh, I've watched this guy on TV for the last three years in a row. I mean, I've, I've, I love his swing. I mean, I've been following him for so long, and there he is. He's right there, and I'm playing yeah. in the same tournament as him. So that was that was just kind of like a oh my gosh, what this is crazy. And there was there was more of that throughout the week. Like I not just being on the putting green next to Justin Thomas and Tony Finau, seeing Hideki Matsuyama uh, on the range, just stuff like that. I mean, it was definitely. Uh, <laughs> I mean. It, it was crazy. It was, there, no other way to put it, and it was so. It was. I was so lucky that I got that opportunity. Yeah, it's one of those kind of weird things because it's always it, you know if you were a spectator, it's always great to see those guys and watch them. But for that week, you were there. You were their peer. You know, you were their mm-hmm. coworker per se. So yeah. Um, did you get to have any conversations with anybody, any pros that might have helped you or give you any advice or anything throughout the week? Yeah, yeah, I played so. Um, Dylan Wu, his caddy Jeremy, is actually a former teammate of mine. He was uh, he was a senior oh, okay. when I was a freshman at Valpo. Um, so I played a practice round with Dylan and Justin Lauer, um, and just getting to see their just their process for playing a practice round, how they how they made their way through a week. Um, just getting to talk to them about their their professional journey was really helpful um, because both of them took took pretty different paths to the PGA Tour, but it was cool to see. Um, the basically the different ways that you can get there and just how how they're successful now that they're there. So that was that was probably the most the most helpful part for me. Yeah, Justin, I'm actually based out of Cleveland, and Justin is an Akron guy, so I've had some conversations with him. He's a oh, really? he's an he's an awesome guy. Yeah. He's, he's he's got a 
for anybody listening to this, if you don't know his story, definitely look it up. It's it's pretty incredible. Um, so that's really cool. And then just in terms of just confidence, what is that, you know, not only did you, it's fun to go out there and if you would have shot like 14 or 15 over, you know, you still would have had a great experience. But, I mean, round two, you shot under par at a PGA Tour event. What does that kind of do for your confidence and obviously just kind of still snowballing from the Minnesota Open and the AM and now into the 3M? Yeah, it definitely helps my confidence. I mean, first of all, just to know that um, pretty much no matter what tournament I play in from now on, I have played in a tournament with more pressure than that. I mean, it's hard to get... Um, bigger than the PGA Tour and what I I mean when I played the PGA Tour event I never played a Corn Ferry event I never played a PGA Tour Canada event I never played national championship never played a USAM nothing like that so I was I was skipping so many steps so I really felt uh I mean it was it was pretty terrifying going in in the best in the best way um but I think that knowing that I was able to handle that um should give me a lot of confidence going forward just in my my ability to play in situations that I'm uncomfortable in. And I think the fact that, I mean, obviously I missed the cut by eight, um, but I think the fact that I was able to take an uncomfortable situation like that and not shoot, you know, 20 over par or something like that, um, that, that definitely gives me, gives me confidence. And I think I saw that my game was close. Uh, like I said earlier, I had probably four or five um, bad clubs off the tee that I really... Um, Looking back, I my my swing coach and I basically went through Google Earth afterwards and just talked through every single tee shot, and I realized that I need to do a better job and of just really thinking my way carefully around a golf course, especially off the tee. And my putting also um, wasn't super good at the tournament because I kind of let myself get out of my normal practice routine in the days leading up to the tournament, just because I was I'm on the putting green, you know, next to Justin Thomas and Tony Finau, so I wasn't. I, I didn't do the best job of focusing on my own game. Um, so I think that was that was definitely a learning experience for me too. Um, I think that was the, it definitely does give me confidence that I was able to handle my nerves fairly well during the tournament and that my game isn't isn't too far off, I don't think. And I, I think I have a, a game plan going forward for what I need to for what I need to work on to hopefully get there someday. Yeah, I get so interested when talking to uh, amateur golfers in the summertime, especially college golfers, because it's such a grind. You're playing so many events. I know you were just up in Canada, correct, for the Canadian AM? Or, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, I mean, so you're traveling and doing all these different things. How are you able to keep, like, that energy up, especially after it, it, it's one of those things where even when you win a tournament by as much as you've won some of these, that's still draining, as you said, because you're, t- you're terrified, basically. You're yeah. trying to hold on and you're trying to – so you're using all this energy. How are you able to kind of keep your energy up and, and you know – Golf is one of those weird sports where you really don't get an off season in college either because you play in the fall and the spring. So, mm-hmm. just how are you able to kind of keep that that energy up and, and keep uh, you know the energy throughout the whole summer and in, in the heat? Yeah, yeah, for sure. I mean, it's um, I was lucky this summer because I think I only played in six tournaments and only one of them was outside of the state. Um, so that that helped for me because I know that there's there's some guys like some of my uh, teammates actually who play in um, a lot of tournaments outside of their state and that's. Um, obviously it's tough for them to, I mean, travel is just such a grind that it's tough yeah. to, um, it's, it's definitely a challenge to keep the energy up, but I think it's good preparation for those guys just for, um, for if they do turn professional, because that's what they have to do pretty much every week. Um, I think for me, I try to work pretty hard on making sure that my diet's good and that I'm working out enough. I know, um, 
our coach at Valpo talks a lot about nutrition. He talks about um, he doesn't like us to eat too many carbs, uh, especially simple carbs, because he um, says that they will basically spike your blood sugar um, for a short period of time and then basically make you really tired after that. So I try my best to avoid things like like Gatorade or um, other sugary stuff, and I feel like that helps keep me helps me keep energy up throughout the day. Um, I try to drink a ton of water. Um, I work out. I don't work out quite as much throughout the season, but um, I still have a. We have a strength coach at Valpo, and I have a um, trainer who I work with. Um, so I try to work out a lot during the off season to get myself in shape. Um, but then I think the other key is just. Um, mentally making sure that you have stuff to do outside of golf so that after a, yeah. after a golf tournament you have something to to do other than just think about golf because I think that that can get pretty exhausting. Um, I know for me I was actually pretty busy this summer. I had I had to take two summer classes for my master's degree. Um, I graded a class for uh, one of my stats professors and I, I run junior tournaments in, in the state so I ran like 15 juniors uh, tournaments around Minnesota. And I think that all of those things are really good because if I if I have a golf tournament and then the next day I'm you know running my own tournament, it's hard for me to think too much or get too drained by that tournament. Yeah, no, that makes a lot of sense. Um, so I'm just going to ask you a couple quick hitters and I'll get you out of here. What is the what is your favorite course you've ever played? Golf course, obviously. Favorite course, um, probably a tie between Inverness and Piners number two. Oh, very nice. You played in yeah, we had a I was out of Inverness last summer for a tournament. That's a that's a nice place. Yeah. And, yeah, I played <laughs> it for the twenty nineteen US uh junior am. It was I was yeah. one of the toughest court probably the toughest course I've ever played, but it was so so fun. Yeah, it's no joke. Very cool. And uh if you could play one course, what would it be? Augusta National. For sure. Yeah, that's, that's, <laughs> yeah that makes sense. Uh <laughs> that's a, a popular answer. Yeah. Uh and we just talked about diet, but when you're on the course, do you have a go-to snack? Are you a are you a snacker on during eighteen? How does that work? Yes, our coach um, will get these snack bags for us with like six different snacks for an eighteen-hole round that we're supposed to eat one every three holes. And usually, nice. favorite snack is an uncrustable. There you go. See, it's nice. You have that. It's like you kind of takes it out of the you know out, the decisions out of your hands. You just yeah. goes, you know what? Every three holes, here you go. Have this. Yeah. It's, that's, that's I like that regimen. Mm-hmm. And then. Um, and I should have told you this before we recorded, so you could think about it. But what's your what is your dream foursome to play golf with? If you could play golf with anybody, Ooh. dead or alive, maybe alive for this, obviously. Hmm. Me, my sister. Oh, cool. Tiger Woods, Roy McIlroy. Yeah, that wouldn't be a tough. That yeah, you'd learn. It'd be tough to not learn a lot in that yeah. one. <laughs> yeah. That'd be fun to play with Tiger and Rory because obviously they're close. So that'd be yeah. yeah. I think that'd be fun. Fun banter. All right, man. Well, I appreciate you taking the time. You know, like I said, it's we're recording this on August seventeenth, so you're probably going back to school pretty soon, right? Yeah, Saturday actually. Um, oh, okay. Yeah. yeah. So perfect. So yes, yeah, so I appreciate you taking the time out of your uh, day, and, and good luck at Valpo. And after the summer, I'm sure we'll be paying a lot of attention. Awesome. Thanks so much. Thanks for having me. That's it for today's podcast. Make sure you subscribe so new episodes are delivered to you every week. Also, check out amateurgolf.com. We provide the most extensive schedules, news, rankings, and results in the amateur game from around the world. Remember that we are also giving away a 50% discount to anyone who is a first-time member if you just use the code BIRDIE50, it's B-I-R-D-I-E-5-0, 
for 50% off a membership. It is well worth it. And until next time, keep it right of the trees on the left and keep it left of the trees on the right. 